But I say for you, cause you're a part And always where I wanna be And always is the sweetest word that stands for you and me You gotta know you can break down when I'm around Let it out and bury it down in the ground on the floor, hold my hand, look at me now I'll never run too far from you Cause I'm chasing you in my dreams Never run too far from you Cause you're everywhere I can see Never run too far from you I'll never run too far from you Never run too I'm chasing you in my dreams. Hey, I'm Justin DeMarco, and you're listening to the Writer's Way podcast. This is episode seven, The Rockstar. You've heard his music every episode during this show's intro. Now it's time to get to know the man behind the songs. The one, the only, Marcus Bennett, a.k.a. Marcus Reed. Marcus is a guitarist, pianist, vocalist, band leader, and actor who is open for Sarah Bareilles, Regina Spector, and Gavin DeGraw. Marcus actually shares a really cool story that I don't think he's ever told anyone publicly before. It's about Regina Spector and how he got accepted into the Conservatory of Music at Purchase College. That's where he holds a BFA from. We also talked about his first ever performance, which was when he was in the fifth grade, what his definition of a rock star is, and how getting married to his wife, Amanda, and becoming a father to his little girl, Ava, with a little baby boy on the way, has changed his life for the better and helped him really focus on what's important in life. You can find Marcus's music on Spotify or iTunes by searching for Marcus Bennett. You can also follow him on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Marcus Bennett or on Instagram at Marcus Reed Band. Not only is Marcus one of my best friends in the world, I've learned so much from him through the years, and I really can't wait to share this interview with you. If you enjoy it, please leave a written review and a five-star rating. Those reviews really help in a big way, so thank you so much for the support. Without further ado, here's the interview with Marcus Bennett, a.k.a. Marcus Reed. I just got to see something really, really cool in your new music studio in your home in New Canaan, Connecticut. While I was setting up, I turned around and saw you at the piano and you were banging away and you're like, hey, I think I just got a new piano part for a song and you're banging away, you're banging away. And then I see you humming and you're coming up with a melody, which I'm assuming will be for lyrics or something like that. We talked with Scott Martin a little bit uh, in episode four, Rock and Roll Heart, about his process and what he does when it comes to songwriting. But I actually, by accident, got to see your process. Is that what it's like? Can you take us through your songwriting process? Well, I, I think um, it's a, it really depends. Uh, sometimes songs come to you like lightning. Um, and then sometimes you are sitting there and you're coming up with uh, a melody out of nowhere. I mean, it could come from if I'm sitting at the piano and all of a sudden I am 
singing something and I just play a couple of chords I think I'm going to go with it. Or if I am, most of the time I'm by my phone and I just, I press record. I probably have, I mean, throughout the last couple of years, it could be hundreds and hundreds of bits and pieces of songs, of riffs. I'll title something like cool piano riff or I'll title something amazing hook. Uh, Sometimes just words will just come to me uh, and an entire half of a song will come to me and I'll put it down and I forget about it and I go to a new song. I mean, there's no exact process to it. It just, some things just, it's just strange. You can be thinking about nothing. They pop up in your head a lot. Do you remember melodies when you have lyrics or how does that work? Because you're saying that you have so many songs, like over 300 in a folder. Do they basically just like go away forever? <laughs> I think I'm too lazy to record all of them. <laughs> I got to take, I like, I remember the days where you didn't have a recording studio in your house. You'd have to go somewhere and somebody else would like help you direct you. In other words, just press record. And all you had to do is sit there and actually put the songs out. I think it's more or less, instead of worrying about the process of recording them, I like the fact that I can literally just press record on my phone and the idea is there. It's just, the problem is if 30 ideas after that, you forgot about that, you don't remember to go back to it. It's just the easiest thing to do is press record, pick up a guitar, pick up a, you know, go to a piano. Um, Sometimes uh, if I'm getting bothered by somebody else, I have to literally run into another room with my phone. If I'm in a movie theater and have an idea, I'll press record on my phone and like whisper into it. I've done it on planes where I'm singing as the plane is in the air. A lot of ideas happen for some reason while you're on a plane. I can't, I can't explain that. But uh, do you think it's because you have nowhere to go? You can't just get up and leave? uh, No, I think, well, Maybe I, I think I don't know. I think when you're when your mind is clear because you you know you can't do anything else at the moment. I think a lot of times you, as a, if you're a creative, if you want to call a person actually a creative, you things just come to you. They, I mean, I don't. It's like magic. It might be the closest thing to God, like just out of nowhere. And I'm not saying I'm a religious person because I'm actually not. Just to put that out there. Uh, I'm not sure if you want to put that on here, but uh, I'm really curious I that mean, you're saying that because I've asked you before. Yeah, seeing you perform, seeing you do your thing in your element, I've told you before that it's like an out of body experience. I know you as Marcus, the person, Marcus, my friend, and then there's Marcus when you're on stage, and it's a completely different being. <laughs> It's incredible. It really is. Because when you're on stage and when you're performing, call it magic, call it being closer to God or whatever it is, it's something that you could feel it. And the people who are in the audience when you're performing most certainly feel it. So you've told me in the past that you don't think that it's something where uh it's like you're a vessel for god or something like that that's why i was curious that you were saying like a god-like type of oh uh, i i guess um well maybe because it's it's what you're doing is just is coming straight from nothing right you're you know you don't actually have i mean building blocks per se you don't have like puzzle pieces to put together it's kind of i guess just in your head and it just appears to you you know after doing this you know for my lifetime i've been doing this i guess things might come to me a little easier but the magic of song is is is, it's just it's just a different animal to to all of a sudden have a melody in your head when you're when you when you're performing um that too that i mean there's things that you know that you do a lot that you 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 become the performer who you are because you you adopt certain things into your repertoire of your performance just 
it just happens. But there are some times where it's just you're up there and you have this feeling like, you know, you have your arms up, your head back because you realize it's like this, it's like almost an innate reflex because the whole audience is just on you. Like you have complete control of what's going on in this entire area and the control is is like this this feeling of euphoria and the only thing like where did that come from how did that happen and i guess maybe when you're saying you see me as a whole other animal i don't see me out there i just know the feeling that i have and it's 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 an it's it's a it's a feeling that i wish everybody i loved and knew can have and i don't know if they actually experience that at any point uh but it's it's just something that people probably just feed off of because either they may not get that feeling or they do get that feeling when you're getting that feeling. I probably tangent a lot on that, but I think that all really makes sense if you kind of put it together, if you can. <laughs> control. The word control. When I think of you in your personal life, I don't see somebody who's controlling. I see somebody who is free and wants other people to be free too. So I think it's really interesting. And I know I'm using control in a little bit of a different sense than Mm -hmm. you're saying it. But I think it's very interesting that when you're on stage, though, you are in control, though. When you're performing, you're the one who decides what you're going to do, when you're going to do it. And you're the leader of your band. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling you've always been the leader of a band. I don't see you as the (laughs) sideman. Is that true? That's always true. Yeah. And it's just... You know, it's not like something, oh my God, I have to be the band leader. It just, most of the time in my life, it ended up that way. It just, it ended up, you know, I I just, like, I tell, you know, people ask about my past. Um, You know, I always say how I try to be in bands uh, or I better yet, I would get to know guys that were older than me so I could see where they were playing, go in, maybe get on stage with them. But most of the time I would have a band and bring them to a club and get them into a club you know when i was in my teens and and i was the one doing it i was the one doing the law the leg work i was the one putting flyers all over the place literally dropping like taking xerox papers uh when my teachers weren't looking and like like going like and printing them out i used to i remember back in the day i had a printer i used i can't tell you how many ink cartridges for one uh one show up all night like printing and the next day I dropped them all over my school like it's funny I, I don't remember the last time I even spoke about that but well, I think people that remember that if they you know if they watch this or they listen to this they're going to be laughing remembering well, that well this is cool because it also speaks to your hustle and I think that's something from a young age you've always been hustling where did that come from huh. <laughs> well I can tell you it comes from the fact that I need to be the feeling I need I need that feeling of being on stage, um, and I think it's that complete freedom that you actually were talking about before. Like I can control uh, my performance to a point, but at this, it, really, it's the most f- it's it's the most freeing thing in the world for me. And I know that when I feel that complete freedom, and I'm there, I'm bringing the audience there too. And I think they're feeling a freedom that they never feel. And I just think it, it's it's such a release for everybody that it's almost like an explosion, like a euphoric explosion for myself and everybody around me. And it's just, it's it's unmatched. And I've always felt like that from since I've been on stage. Do you remember the first time that you ever performed, the first time that you were on stage? <sighs> yes. 
Um, I was, there was a talent show in the fifth grade. Um, it's funny, keep in mind for myself, I, I was new to that school in the fifth grade because um, uh, I had to transfer schools. Uh, that's due to my parents. But um, I, there was a talent show. And uh, so um, my father uh, suggested uh, a song off of Carol King's Tapestry. So, so Such yeah. a cool album. Yeah, that's one of the um, all-time albums, period. Right. Um, and uh, I sang You've Got a Friend. That's awesome. So it was pretty crazy. I was the only one by myself, went up there, uh, sang it. And uh, I mean, <laughs> it was like, I don't remember the exact feeling, but I just remember a, a feeling of separation from everything. And I'm pretty sure it felt good. Um, that was the first time on stage. Uh, but I mean, did you make friends from that? Because you mentioned being the new kid in school. And the song that you're singing singing, is You've Got a Friend. Was that almost like, hey, I'm Marcus, and no, I want to no. be your friend? No, 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 no. I, I, don't, I don't remember any of that. Um, uh, I don't think, I, I mean, I, if anything, probably uh, the parents were like, uh, I want to get to know that kid. No, not did, at all. Did you back? <laughs> not your, at all. Did you back yourself though? Did you play piano or guitar? Or no, sang? no, 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 no. I went, I went, I went tape recorder on that. Okay. Tape. Tape. I yeah. like that tape, tape recorder. Yeah, tape. I actually, if I remember correctly, um, my piano teacher played it in the background on a tape. And oh, then... so that you'd have it for the Correct. show. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And I loved when you were telling that story. I could see through your eyes you visualizing that moment can you take us through that moment because i saw you i saw you though looking i saw you were there i mean it's so vivid and it's so vague but yes i can remember the auditorium i can't remember i can remember being up there by myself i can remember looking out into the audience i could vaguely remember the the song playing and me singing and maybe people clapping but that's it i mean you know it's just you're a kid. It's it's hard to remember a lot of things, I guess. Fifth grade to be on stage and performing seems young, seems early, especially to be singing solo by yourself. Do you see a lot of fifth graders getting up and singing by themselves? No, um, I, I don't. <laughs> um, but uh, I think more should if they want. <laughs> no, absolutely. You know I mean? yeah, I, yeah. I'm just curious as somebody that I don't think I would, one, have the confidence or the ability in fifth grade to be able to get up there and do that. Because keep in mind when you're a kid, you're especially a new kid in a school, right? There's a little bit of that, I'm worried what people will think of me. Uh, you're putting your heart on the line. That was your first experience with that. Yeah. Um, you know, you're right. I guess looking back at it, um, hindsight you know us you know being a couple of years older than a kid like remembering being a kid uh it's it's hard to fathom um a a, a kid or a child doing that but uh some kids i guess do sometimes you see them on tv now every now and then uh, uh we didn't have that back then <laughs> but yeah i mean did, yeah. You, did your dad know that you had something special or that you had a gift so so my father, um, when I went uh, to go live with my father, my parents were divorced, are divorced. Um, my father used to 
uh, see me come. Well, my father used to see me play this old piano that my mother uh, it was an antique piano uh, that my mother it was in the trash and she if I remember it's hard to even remember that but I'm pretty sure that was the case with it it was very beat up uh, he used to see me constantly um, play on it um, that's what he told me too and I do remember playing on it a lot I can actually in my mind remember one of the first things I started like writing the first thing I started doing is writing music on it actually come to think of it and uh, as soon as I went to go be with him right away he put me in piano lessons and and some voice and uh i forgot the beginning of the question but i think it had something to do with what i'm saying here 100 yeah. percent, yeah and it's that early that early nudge or that early push that's what would help you get up there as a fifth grader to yes. perform yeah you yes. needed that foundation and even growing up in a home where there was a piano yeah I'm sure that there are a lot of kids who, you know, don't even experience that. So to be surrounded by music, uh, I can imagine, I'm not sure, but, you know, if your parents are going through, let's say, tough times or divorce, that music can be an outlet or a way out. Mm -hmm. um, and it sounds like you were writing songs. That was kind of your way of maybe dealing with what was going on. Maybe, I, but I just remember also it just sounding cool to me. Okay, like nice. it was like maybe it was an escape in that sense. But you know, it's hard to remember. It's hard to think. Uh, was I thinking that deep um, at that age? You know, was it or was it just maybe you are, but you don't realize it. But I think there was there was a magic to to a sound. It's funny I'm talking about. I'm thinking of like the first song I ever. I ever start it's not I wouldn't even call it a song I call it doodling but it was the same doodle over and over again because I love the way it sounds like I remember it I could play it now um can you hum it <laughs> hum it for us <laughs> it was just like and I just it was something like that um in B minor but I didn't know the key I just knew what to press because it sounded good um but yeah, I mean, that's one thing. And of course, you know, my mother used to uh, doodle on a heart and soul. I mean, that's everybody does that on piano. But I remember the first time I learned how to play it with both hands, the whole song. And I was like, oh, right, right. Because everybody was like, dun, dun. but those that's cool things you discover in music. But you discover it because you have to, you need somebody to show you or you take lessons. You know, this is, you know. I guess pre YouTube, well, you know, when you could YouTube everything. Of course, yeah. You You're know? talking about using a tape that you had your piano teacher record for you. Right, yeah, yeah. Aging myself? No, um, that's that's definitely still good. young, man. YouTube YouTube is only what, like fifteen years really in the works now. <laughs> um but uh yeah, so I don't know if it was if it, if that it was an outlet or or what I was thinking, but it just it just sounded cool. I mean, I come on a piano, just like it's just this, this big piece of furniture in your house. I mean, and it wasn't. I didn't grow up in some huge apartment. You know what I mean? This was like a small ground floor Brooklyn apartment where my mother lived. So definitely different stuff. Okay, so take us through now, going from your first performance, fifth grade, to the first time you're in a band. Do you remember what that was like? How did you even find your friends in the band? How do you start a band? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. How do you start a band? Should I give away my secret? Don't. Uh, <laughs> there's no secret to it. <laughs> um, well, let's see. Let's see. So I, uh, uh, some actually, some of my boys that uh, I still grew, I, I, I grew up with, um, like even in, in, in junior high school, um, we would just pretend we were in a band. Like we loved music, like uh, a special kinship 
Um, a matter of fact, I think, you know, you met one of my really good friends at my party the other night. Like, you know, we met each other uh in the sixth grade and like i used to go over there so his father had like this huge cd collection my father had this huge record collection and and uh and we would just like you know just jump on the bed rock out play air guitar uh and we would pretend we were in a band we'd get we'd get another friend but but when it really kicked in like i think maybe it was like the end of junior high school or early high school uh where um we started to get together with uh, other musicians and then I realized I'm like I'm like wow I'm like I'm, I'm I'm putting a band together like this is like pretty incredible. It felt like uh, like something like something I could build I guess. Uh, and when you have different human beings in a room, um, you don't th as a kid there's so much going on first of all, especially as a teenager. But when you have different human beings in a room, they're producing different types of sounds and 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 the air is moving and but at that age are you don't know people playing the right thing or you, you think you do it's just there's such a new experience for everybody but there's also teenage rage and angst and and you're playing these your favorite artists you've ever played before or you're trying to but when once you get that happening and you feel that there's there's a magic to it and you just feel really good so when you are like especially when you're first becoming a teenager and you you, you develop a band, there's a feeling, there's a connection between other people that might be feeling what you're feeling. And like you, you start off, you're like you're playing some of your heroes, like these cover songs. And when you're listening to these songs and, and you're developing, you know, as a person, as a teenager, it's like you could feel these songs. So if you can make them come alive, here's another aspect to it. It's, it's just, it's, just, it's crazy, you know, and these, and these just starts off with cover songs, right? You, you, you do that. And then really, what you want to do is you you want to play them out, right? I mean, why not? I mean, you think about it. All your heroes, you go to these concerts, you see that, and you're like, man, I want to do that. Well, at least that's what I thought. I'm like, how would it be to do that, to be that? So now you're taking it more from the emotion of just feeling the music inside this box to feeling the music like what you see out there, how you see people react to it. That's just, that takes the emotions and slams them together. And again, it's like just, this, it's, it's something to explode out there. And, and so, like I said, something to explode out there in case my mic was too far off. But um, it's just, it's a feeling. If you're doing it with other people, I mean, come on. It's just, it's crazy. It's just, it's, it's a feeling and, and you don't stop it. And I would say it probably started, I, I started, I think maybe I was a freshman in, in high school. Was it probably playing like 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 real clubs, like like some clubs that might have been all ages, might not have been, um, but I did everything I could to get into that club and do it because of everything that I'm, I'm pretty much explaining. And then you go into, uh, you might put an original song in there. I know I did. A lot of people were afraid at the time, but um, I I I wanted to put original music in there because I mean, why not? That's what I could remember from it. If there was an audience there, all of our friends used to come out. All my friends used to come out and just and and come see the shows. So you would slip your original songs into your set when you're playing covers, when you're playing sure. your favorite bands. You'll slip in. Okay, guys, let's do it. Let's go for it. Yeah, I mean, even more so, more so than uh, uh, yeah, because I was feeling that song. You know, I mean, really, I, I mean, as a teenager, I'm sure I, I I felt a lot of a lot of different songs. Not more than I feel now, but it's a start. It's like, wow, where, where is this coming from? But yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're going to try to like dig into like 
like a formula of like what people would do to try to slip a song in there. I don't even know if I thought about it that time. I just thought it was cool to put one in, especially if nobody else was probably doing it. You know, it's just why I should just do it. It wasn't. And maybe they won't even know that it's an original. Maybe they'll think it's just a cover of something else. Uh, they might have, but I, I don't, knowing myself now. You yelled and said, oh, I, this I, is I, an I original. I definitely would have done something like that, sure, because I wasn't, I, I've never been shy about that. Like, I don't want it to like try to pass like, oh, that's a great song. Who does that? It's like, no, it's I me. mean, it's me. Yeah. You yeah. know, let, let them know, man. Knowing yourself or hearing yourself when you were younger versus now your originals it's something that i've begged you even to slip into sets when you're playing bars or clubs and your answer is usually no i you know i don't want to make my band learn an original song yet you'll make your band learn a bruno mars song or you too or one republic or Nicki minaj or rihanna but you won't have them learn your song yeah it doesn't make sense it doesn't. No, it doesn't make sense. And I, every time we talk, we talk about that, you know, out loud. You know, I'm just, I might give every type, every type of what I think is a rational excuse for that. I think it's also the fact that, you know, a lot of musicians that I've been playing with, it just seems like, you know, I, I don't know if they'd be into it or not. Um, they like the easiness of because they're great musicians. Like I, I only want to play with great musicians and I bet them out myself, you know? And, and they only want to play with you too. That's another big thing that I've learned from my dad, just seeing kind of him working in the music industry, doing covers, weddings, things like that. It doesn't matter. Good musicians want to play with good musicians, period. Right. Yeah, period. okay. So, right. so yeah. I think I just want to say that to add also credit to you, the level that you're at and what you're capable of doing the musicians that you have, not only are they great, but they want to work with you because you're great. Now I'll let you continue. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, now, let's see. Now that you called me great, I'm totally thrown off. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that I should be doing it. Um, there, there's, there's no rational excuse for me not to put in some more original music when I'm doing that. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, I, I, I might also have the fear of if they're not playing it with the proper feel, like how do I tell them like, nah, you know what, you're not cutting it for this song. You know, so I think that's part of it. Um, and I think that also might be why uh, when people really go hard at it at their original music, I mean, really, like, I do believe you have to do it full time. Like, you, you can't just, you, you can't be just a moneymaker, just a, a weekend warrior and be like, yo, my originals are gonna be great. Like, it's a craft at the end of the day. Like, the person who's really, chugging it out they're the ones that that deserve right they're living it they're they're in an apartment with seven other people they're you know i i can see i just just to be straight transparent like i dig that i can understand that um and i think what happens is is that you have people then that are all in the entire your entire group is all in and and another thing i'm gonna tangent more because apparently i love to do that these days everybody has a computer and everybody feels they can make music and a lot of them might be doing it but what happens is i think it gets stuck on your computer <laughs> it gets you get stuck writing and writing and writing and writing and it used to be like if you had a band everybody would collectively try to get it out there if they're all in it it's just again that's it's a unity there's a feeling there uh, and it's you could do it on a computer or you could do it with a band. I'm just saying it's just there's something to be said about that. It doesn't even, you know, 
Yeah. <laughs> no, but there is strength in numbers. Yes. Having a band and That's having, it. let's say, three or four people going at it versus one person. And that's yeah. something that writing, even you writing a song in your home, that can be lonely because you're by yourself. If you have a band with you, you're in it together. You have that moment. You can get other ideas from people right. too. Right. And if you're trying to make it as a band, you're all using your contacts. You're all trying to figure out how do we do this? We're struggling. We're trying to survive. And you have to try to keep pushing forward. So I think that's something for any type of writer or any type of artistic endeavor or career. If you have that community or support group or whatever that is, I think that goes a long way. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So so what do you do then, let's say, if you are a solo artist who you're writing the music on your own, you're playing drums, you're singing, you're producing it. Do you think that sometimes the more you can do every now and again, it can actually hurt you in a way? Well put. <laughs> well, I think even with a lot of bands, a lot of them might have a single person that really is like the main songwriter, right? It just, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, a band doesn't have to be a complete, if you want to, that's not even about being a democracy. It's just a fact of that can happen. So you might have somebody that is writing a lot on their own, but um, does it hurt if they could do everything? Well, I mean, I can do a lot. <laughs> so you might be pertaining to that. Um, I think it's also part of the mindset. You know, I mean, I think there are people that are great. They might have great music. They don't get it out there because it's just part, it's who they are. <laughs> Talking about myself, maybe at points, but obviously. Um, but you might have people that that can do a lot that do make it out there. I mean, if you think about it, <laughs> getting back to that, I was like, oh, I'm gonna bring all that up. But like, a guy like like Prince can do it all. He's a, he was out there, different time, but he was out there. Um, other guys. Beck, uh, Beck is someone that seems to be doing everything on his own. You love Beck. I still have. That I do love. I still. Beck, I, yeah. I think I still have that CD in the player in my car. And every, nice. Every once in a while, by by accident, press play. Um, Colors, great album. No, I mean, but that. But there you go. So, so to kind of like not combat that question, but uh, I, I, I'm not sure about that. I think it's it's more or less it's about the person too. I say don't get stuck on your computer. Don't get stuck on on the perfect production because that's what I do, right? Because if you have a good ear, it's like you, you think you can do everything. But again, if you can get somebody else that that can help you or or that believes in you, or even if you if you can somehow make enough money to get at least a song helped produce and mastered, it can't hurt it can't hurt to have somebody else's ears on there. Period. I was watching the new Taylor Swift documentary on Netflix, Miss Americana, and they actually show her working with a producer. And when I was watching it, I realized how much a great producer can add to a song yeah. because she's giving ideas, she's talking through things. Even what I just saw you do on the piano, okay, I think this will be a good riff. I think this will work here. This is a C, this is an F minor, so you know your okay. key. So, so, and make sure you're talking to the microphone for me. Okay, so that's huge. All right. Um, when you're working with a producer, um, I don't think, you know, people think of producers on the radio and they, you know, they just think of whatever names, but do they really know? So like the, a 
a great producer really is part of your writing team, if you really think about it. So what you're doing is you're bringing in the bare bones of a song, but if you're somebody that's very creative, if you can, um, if you're Taylor Swift, whoever it might be, like you're talking Taylor Swift, like if you have a drum beat in your head, you might stomp it out, you might use your foot, you might use your hand as a hi-hat, you might use your other hand as a snare, whatever it might be, that is... That's part of the process. Your chords are part of the process. You might just have a melody. You might be someone like Sia who who says a lot of times she just somebody plays a bass part. She writes to a bass. It's just the root of, the root of it. But what a producer does, you take that in there, and you know a good producer might say, okay, you know might might know the sound you already have because you've worked with them before. Or say what kind of sound are you looking for? Or they might just try something that they hear. Next thing you know, they're like, all right, so you know, what happens if you change here? Like you go to the six here instead of the one, like like whatever it might be, what's going to happen is that all of a sudden your song is might take off to a completely different area than you thought of. And then you're having an amazing like storm of creativity. It's like two clouds coming together and it's lightning and thunder comes out and you both go, Wow, and I've done that before. I've worked with guys that are so talented, so good, and they think the same thing of you, but they're doing things that you just didn't think of. And that's that is also an amazing. It's just again, it's it's one of these feelings. And that's what's that's what's nice about having all of a sudden like you know, you hear it at you hear you hear your finished product and you go, "Bam." Just awesomeness. It's incredible. That was definitely one of the big takeaways was seeing what the producer is able to do, like you're saying, the chemistry between them and even just musicians, period, whether you're alone and you're working versus having another mind to kind of feel things out with. And you have to be open as well. And I think that's something that you are very open when it comes to other people or other ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Is that something that came natural to you? Is that something you had to learn over time? What were you like as a band leader when you were first starting out as a band leader versus what are you like as a band leader today? Um, I think, you know, it's, you're asking good questions that I, I guess you're pulling things out of me that I, I, I wouldn't have thought of. Um, I, I, and, I, and I think putting a puzzle together in my head, I don't think I'm far off than what I ever was. Um, I, I've always appreciated a talent um, if I heard something and I was like, man, that person, they're just, they're really good at this or they're really good or, you know, um, I think people use the word great way too much. Um, but if I think somebody is great, it's like, I mean, of course, like we were talking before, you want to play with them. But I just think that if somebody is a, is, is, is an unbelievable player at what they do, why would I not? Why would I sit there and be like, no, play it like this? I think it's more like, just let's, let's see what happens. Don't even say, just, just here, here, if you're writing a song, here's the song. Or that person might go, now you might not even say anything and it goes, oh, this, check this out, right? Like, it's just, why not? I mean, if, if you have a different vision in your head, you could just always say to the person, it's not really what I was going for. I like it a little bit. Let's, can we try to fine tune it? Or here, listen back to it. What do you really think of this? And then I might say, okay, I'm going to listen to it now. Maybe I didn't listen to it hard enough. I just think that when you have people in a band, it's just... And, and you feel like they're really good at something, but it's not your forte. Like, if it's like, if I'm not a drummer, I'm not going to be like, uh, you know, don't play that. If I think the guy's really good, there might be a reason. And most of the time, you're going to think it sounds good. You just are. When somebody's really good, most of the stuff you're going to think is, is, is pretty good. <laughs> well, I like that 
when it comes to creativity, you're very open and willing to at least try because there are a lot of people who would just say, it's my way, do this, and that's that. Well, also, they might say that, but I just don't understand if, I bet those people, they didn't start off like that. If, if they, maybe if they made it to a point and like now they're like in solitary somewhere, solitude, if you want to call it, and like they're saying that, but I just, I just, I just can't understand that, to, I guess, because it's like, it's forget about you think you're the best at everything. Like, you're, you're not going to be, you, you, somebody else might have something that's just, just set something different. Like, I don't know. I mean, why would you not? That's part of, that's just, it's just part of the fun. It's not like, it's not even giving somebody, oh, I just want everybody to be free and do whatever they want. It's more like, I don't know, you're creating something. Just why would you not? Why would you not do it? And was the goal always to become a rock star for you, going back to your childhood? <laughs> Who doesn't want to be a rock star? Come on. Um, I wanted to be a professional baseball player. I probably wanted to be that too. Oh, okay. Point. What about a fireman? Never. I, you never. Know, I was okay. never into that. I was never into uh, racing cars. Uh, you know, for me, um, <laughs> as a kid, if uh, we we played uh, we played touch football, right? I would I'd want to be the quarterback, right? If we if I would play baseball, I I, I pitched like I just I don't know. It's just I guess like it's you always need thing. to be center stage. I guess right, but um, and control. Everything goes through <laughs> that's, you. That's right. Everything goes through the quarterback. Everything goes through the pitcher. Everything goes through but the I band like leader. But I like it. I that's like good. It. I always always like that. There's a lot of reasons probably why. Um, but what? what oh, was, but but yeah. Did you? always want to be a rock star i mean you're on that stage i mean you are you are a rock star so i mean you could define it of definitively what is a rock star right so some people look at it um from a uh, a fantasy point probably on the outside looking in it's it's a somebody who just makes a ton of money is out there like these days that's what everybody thinks you know growing up it was more like it was more like it's a musician. It's somebody who can get on stage and just stick up their middle finger to everybody and just be like, it's my way. Are you here for the journey? You know what I mean? It's like, I mean, that to me, like true rock stardom uh, is being able to really be free. I mean, it's it's not listening to other people. It's not putting on a goody two shoes face, being like, I love everybody, one love, all that stuff. Like it's not being badass on purpose. It's just doing, being who you really are what you really want to be um, in terms of a persona, but in terms of the stage, I mean, being a rock star is again, it's, it's being up there conveying that emotion to everybody else and them conveying it at the same time. You know, all the other stuff, all the excess, I mean, the fantasies are cool. I mean, come on, I've read books and it's just, it's amazing um, a taste of that. And I think as a musician, if you're touring or you're playing a local circuit, whatever, you do get a taste of it. You do, because when you're on stage, it's like, you know, especially if you're good, like people want to be there with you. I mean, I don't think there's any definitive exact um, definition of a rock star. Uh, a big thing is what I was getting at is that people from the outside looking in, they just think that a rock star could be throwing around money uh, these days. What is it? Just like, you know, drinking bottles on bottles and doing whatever you want. Um, but the, the thing is, is that you actually get a taste of that too. You could be playing a local club and there could be, you know, a hundred people packed in front of you and, you know, you get off stage or, you know, the lights come on and there's a group of people that want to hang out with you and you could still get whatever you want. It's like, you know, it, 
you could party however hard you want to party with those people. It's, 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 it's your choice. It might not be known all over the world at that point, but there's only, think about it. If you're on stage two, it's your party, right? If you have people there, you are the rock star at that moment. They want, they're envying something that you're giving out to them. It's just like, again, it's, it's, it's feeding. It's like you're a rock star in that moment. Are you a grandiose rock star for your whole life? No, but most people aren't. They blow their money anyway. <laughs> you know, it's very like, true. It's just very because true. because they didn't get into it for the money. If you're really good again, and and you know you, you don't go into things for you know a a a value in terms of that. The value is that emotional let out, that freedom. Getting back to that again too. So and yeah. talking about other musicians and being in it together, I bet for you to be able to hear from somebody who is well-respected in the music industry or even a friend telling you, hey, that was really great or I really enjoyed what you did there means more than probably any written review in a newspaper or what Joe Schmo thinks of you. Yeah. Yes, um, that's a great point. Um, that's funny. I just listened to somebody on the interview on the other day talk about this. True, it, none of that... It's more your peers, right? So, I mean, it's like if, you know, if you're a piano player and, you know, Billy Joel came over to you and was like, that was amazing, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? You know, it, it, you're going to, are you going to get a better compliment in your life? I mean, no. Um, uh, when my band just did uh, a wedding for Clive Davis's grandson and Clive Davis, you know, I mean, he, you know, pulled me aside and was like, you're amazing. You did an amazing job. Thank you. I mean, you're just like, what? That's Clive Davis. I mean, again, that's Clive Davis. You're you're sitting there, and, you know, from the time you're growing up, you know who Clive Davis is. You know, I mean, so you say there, and you, the the impact on you is insane because of the titans that this guy produced and worked with and signed the record companies he owned. It's 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 almost like a lifetime achievement award. You know, I mean, it would be like uh, another way to put it. Clive Davis would be like the Elvis of rock and roll. I mean, it's like what what just happened, you know, so that was that was an amazing experience um, when Clive told me that. But, you know, it's not just somebody of that stature. It's also you have, you know, you, you have somebody in your life that's could be a great friend or just a, a great musician that you know that you vibe with and they and they tell you man you know they pull you aside once in a while like you wouldn't expect and like do you understand how incredible that just was like you know it could be somebody in your band that does that and you just go they were there with me they feel that that's much better than <laughs> than a magazine write up than if you had a great album review i mean whatever the case might be yes okay so it's the peers it's the people that you respect and hearing it from them and clive davis like wow like it doesn't get any bigger no uh, it doesn't <laughs> and when i mean if you think about it when, when the davis family wanted me wanted me to do you know their wedding it's like that was the first step it's like uh yeah um can't imagine anything bigger than that right but uh, it, and at the same point doing that, I just did what I always do, 
you know, it's just, it's the same type of performance I would give at any, at any other given point. And I'm sure like, here's a guy who Clive Davis sees that, you know, all the time and can tell like authenticity, I guess, and can tell that. And, you know, and when he says you're, when Clive Davis tells you and pulls me aside and says, you're amazing. Um, it's funny. I'm, I'm actually, I'm realizing I'm repeating this because it's just, it's surreal. It's like, it's like, you know what you can do, but when he's telling you you're amazing and you did an amazing job. Um, and another thing too, is that, is, is that, you know, his grandson came over to me and said that he goes, you know who my family is, right? And I said, I said, yeah, I do. And he goes, I just want you to know that, you know, my grandfather, Clive and his father, Fred were like, this is the best thing that we could have done for the wedding, you know? And I'm just going, wow. I, I mean, come on. <laughs> you you can't feel much better than that. That's so great on so many levels too. So on the first level, you have Clive Davis, who, like you said, icon, right? Yeah. Industry legend. Legend. Maybe the, maybe the biggest icon ever in the, in, in the whole record industry, right? It's and crazy. You being seen in a way that I don't think if you would have drawn up your life, you would have ever been in front of Clive Davis that way. So if, <laughs> if going right. back to young right. Marcus, if somebody told you you're going to play weddings, you're going to be the best in the industry, you're going to make a name for yourself that I have friends when I see them sometimes, they're like, the Marcus Reed Band. It's all about the Marcus Reed Band. How's, how's the Marcus Reed Band doing? How's my boy Marcus Reed? Which also stage name. But for you, what you've built up, and it's because you're real, you're authentic. When you perform, you're also raw too, and you do it your own way. You don't sacrifice. You make sure you do what needs to get done, but it's the Marcus Gershman, Marcus Bennett, Marcus Reed, Marcus whatever you want to call it, style. So can you talk a little bit about that, of how you've developed your style over time? Uh, is it something basically... Where you are today, right now, Clive Davis giving you that compliment, it was your entire life, though, to get to that point. It wasn't the first chapter of your book. Right. It right, would, yeah. You know, maybe it would be the 20th chapter. So can you kind of talk us through a little bit of that? Let's, let's go from you're in high school, you're playing in bands. Where do you go from there? Are you thinking college? Are you thinking, I'm going to go on the road with my boys? What is your mindset? You're thinking all that. Okay. No. Um... I mean, I think you veer you veer off a little bit in the sense of, I mean, yeah, you're going to college. Uh, Was college you, something you wanted to do? Uh, you know, I guess yes. It's just that that's I grew up going like you have to go to college. You know, I constantly told you got to go to college. So, um, what was I going to go to college for? Well, the arts. You know. Um, I think what it was is, I mean, my first year of college, I actually started concentrating on acting. Um, and then after my first year, I said, nah, I, I, I love acting, um, but I think the trueness in my heart was at that moment back to music. So uh, I wound up going uh, to the conservatory music at Purchase College. Uh, when I got in, I was definitely excited. It was, it was, a, cool, it was a cool process. Um, okay, you just bypassed the process. You have to talk about who was on the panel or who was on the board that reviewed you that allowed you to get into purchase. Well, um, cause I know this, I don't know if many other people know this. Um, well, the one was, one was one of my future professors. Um, 
and the other one with Joe Ferry, and the other one was Regina Spector. And Regina actually was already in the school, but they put um, Regina on the panel to judge people that were coming in. So, you know, um, Regina, as, as you know, if in her career, uh, which, I mean, really started pretty much then and there at Purchase College, uh, was an incredible songwriter. So uh, you're right, you know, thinking back, that was also what a validation, right? I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know who Regina was. I don't think anybody else really did except in the college. Um, but there was a lot of talented people in that college and amazing professors. But yeah, you're right. So part of the process was uh, the audition and Regina was the one that... Gave you the stamp of approval. Yeah, the stamp of approval, right. And they actually told me right then and there and they said, we can't really tell. Uh, we're not supposed to tell people this, but you're going to be in. That's so awesome. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Yeah, 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 it definitely was. And then you performed with Regina Spector later on. Yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> she probably doesn't even remember this, but uh, I used to take her uh, in my car because she didn't have a car. Um, <laughs> and uh, we'd go into the city. Uh, even we would do like open mics and things like that. But that was cool. You and Regina Spector. Yeah, I, I guess. How cool I, is I, that? I, I, I yeah I mean <laughs> you're just living life but like when you actually take yeah, a step it, back well yeah when you take a step back I mean that's part of you're right that's part of the journey that's really that's really cool <laughs> and yes that is really cool it's funny so when I see her now and I see her on tv or whatever and I'm just like I'm like it's still though she's she's great you know she's again one of these authentic amazing talents and I saw it firsthand I mean I used to be wowed by her too like you know it's it's one of those people um but yeah, I mean, that's going back to the process. You're right. That's that's part of the process. And that whole school was incredible, man. I mean, that was an experience. If, I think if you're going to go to college, if you're going to go, and I understand if you have to in life, like not everybody gets to do exactly what they love to do and, and, and you know, be able to make a living. But if you're going to go to college, do it to higher educate yourself on something you love. If you know what you love, then I think that if you get caught in the whole money thing, it's great and all, but it's only turns into a heaping pile of money. Money. Money, money, money. If money is not one money. of the hardest things when you're a creative or you're an artist and you don't have a lot of money and you want money. You shouldn't. And you need <laughs> money. But this is something that I think is very challenging. So you're in college. Uh, you're playing coffee houses with Regina Spector. Like what? Uh, like what? Still, like that's Regina Spector. But you don't have money, so what do you do, or how do you how do you figure out how to live when you're not making money? You want to do what you love. Okay, well, I didn't just play, I didn't just go to open mics or you know go with Regina or go with whoever I was going with. Or I also used to hustle like right. I would go to like a neighborhood bar near the college on like a Wednesday or Thursday, and I probably was get I probably would just ask for like fifty bucks or I would just put out like a tip jar and say I'll just play. You know, but again, you know, um, I wasn't completely just broke. Um, you know, I, I borrowed money from the system. So I was on like a meal plan at school. Um, you know, luckily enough, I had my father to to tell me to do that. <laughs> you know, uh, he also helped me get some books here and there uh, the best that he could. But um, I, I have to admit, in college, I didn't really worry, I guess, too much about money. Um, it just wasn't about that yet. Um, I, because I didn't know what it was like to have to really worry about money. I, I know what it was like to not have because, you know, I, I, I 
before my dad. My mom, I, you know, grew up with a not so much money that she didn't have. So that was different. But I was, again, I was young at that time. So I think college was just, it was just a free, freeing type of experience. But I just, I had a lot of money I borrowed. <laughs> okay. So then you have a lot of money. But I didn't you, think about it. You have a lot of money that you borrowed. We're not thinking about it. No. You graduate college. Now what? Consolidated my loans. Okay. Consolidate your loans. I recently paid it off. Um, Congrats. That's that huge. That was huge. Yeah, yeah. Um, consolidated my loans, so it wasn't so bad. But it's that plus, of course, like everybody talks about on top of everything. Um, it's, a, it, it's a lot of money. It depends. I mean, don't go to a private university. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not worried <laughs> no, no, about no. the university. No, I know. I'm, it's, it's, I'm it's, wondering, you know that there's a number hanging over your head. Sure. You want to do an art. Now you have a choice. And this is what I'm getting I at. I didn't think so about it. This is nah. what I'm getting at, though, so I'm just yeah. going to say it, though. Okay. You can play originals, not make money, or you can play covers and make money. Was that something that was on your mind? I am being as blunt as can be. So so I had both going on at one point. So as soon as I got out, I was continuing my originals. Um, but uh, um, I also... I needed to make money because... Uh, I didn't, I didn't want to do some of the side jobs that I was doing. And, uh, I, 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 I wound up doing a cover band and I needed that money because a, I had to get out of my house that I was in, um, where I was living, uh, at the time with my father. I mean, it was just out of school, but I, I had, I just had to get out of the environment. I had to be on my own, um, for a plethora of reasons. Um, and that point i just i got caught up what happened was i, I became very successful um doing the cover band thing and uh you, you you experience the excess you experience the money things you didn't experience before when you're out you know lugging driving in a van or or trying to you know hustle up original gigs all the time and, and that and that type of stuff so i think i got caught up in that because i was able to get out of my house i was able to get that money i wasn't thinking about my college loans because i consolidated them enough um uh i just was thinking about um, the next gig. Wow. Actually, <laughs> epiphany. I really was just thinking about the next gig. I never thought about the rent or anything. I found the cheapest apartment I could at the time. Um, or I think my father might have helped me found my, find my first apartment. Uh, and because I guess I kept thinking about the next gig, that's, I guess, how I can remember it. They always popped up. And you said before, how do you always wind up a band leader? It's like, here I was. Um, I went into this cover band really, uh, they needed, they needed another singer. Um, and I wound up taking it over There's, you know, th their singer was, I don't know what the deal was, but, um, I knew the guitar player, um, who was actually still one of my dear friends till this day. And, uh, I just wound up taking over because again, I love it. And, to, and, and another thing is I take pride in it. Like I want to be the best, like there's nobody going to be better because, and I also know that, and I, you know, getting back to developing, putting everything together, you know, how are you Marcus Reed? Like, what is it? Why is it that people will want you or, or this? I just, in my mind, for the most part, I think I have something that nobody else has. That's me. That's my DNA and my makeup. And I feel like I always want to bring it out and be the best at it. And I think that makes you the best, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. I think that makes a lot of sense that you are unique and you are very unique in what you do. 
and I think why you're so successful is that you're willing to accommodate people talking weddings now and things like that. You're not somebody who says, this is my way. This is how it needs to be done. I'm only doing this. I'm sure. only doing that. Yeah, absolutely. You're open to it. Sure. I'll learn a song. I'll do it. But you have enough of your spin where it's you. So if you're playing a cover, let's say I heard one of you recently doing Springsteen. At first, I kind of thought it was a recording of Bruce Springsteen. And then I was like, no, it's you doing a take on it. And I mean that as a super, super high compliment that you're able to do the song sound incredible, but you have your own version on it. And -hmm. there's a lot of musicians who will do covers of other artists, but they'll do their own take. And I think there is something to be said for that. I think that's an art in itself. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I'm kind of curious from going from high school, going from college, you're playing bars now, right? Mostly bars, playing covers. Are you still playing originals? Yeah, I still. So I still had an original band that that I was doing my stuff with too. Yeah, but they were very separated at that point. Okay, and then what happened with the original band? Well, I wound up. I mean, part of it was is is the success on one end was was getting so big, and it was and get, the success with the covers. The success with the covers was getting so big. And also, I felt like, in some aspects, I was, uh, I was playing with some better musicians. And at the time that I thought, uh, and and guys that I started respecting a little bit more, you know, um, than the guys I was working with my originals, uh, because the original band flip flopped a couple of times, and it was just, I think, I, I was starting to grow out of what that was at that moment. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that you basically transitioned life happens stuff happens you also talked about some odd jobs or jobs that you didn't want to do and if you're okay with talking about them it was something when i was having a conversation with you one time and i was just amazed at your creativity but also your work ethic can you share some of those jobs sure i mean (laughs) i got out and i was i mean it's not necessarily i didn't even that i didn't totally want to do it it's just that it wasn't my main love. Um, but I met some, uh, some, especially one dear friend from it. I was personal training. I did that. I didn't like, I used to go to the gyms and do it, but I just, I wasn't really into it. Um, I slacked off like as much as I could. I, I was writing music in my head as much as I could. No matter what I did, I interned for my, my poor uncle. I interned uh, for him at um, a very well-known um, investment banking firm. And eventually after a month, I just, I quit. Like I was constantly, on the computer searching for um agents searching for um music publications like writing music again everything keeps kept leading back to the same thing um so there was more after that you know uh back to the music yeah uh publications researching agents things like that where did that process kind of take you uh, what was that like for you? I mean, I got in contact with a couple of maybe indie record guys, um, but it didn't take it didn't it doesn't take you that far. It just doesn't. Uh, it, the only way to get far is is really to develop an audience. I really believe that. Uh, excuse me. Not all the time. Not all the time. There, I think there are some people who I guess get discovered maybe by their computer these days or something. But I think most people. I think if you can generate an audience, then it's just more about you. Like you generate an audience, you generate a power. Right, an audience is power. You know, no matter what you're doing, originals, covers, plays, like no matter what it is, that's your power. So you getting out there, you playing shows, you going around. I know you used to have a sign up sheet 
Yeah. You would get yeah, people's names, right? Emails. All the time. Oh, yeah. And I used to hustle that at the end of a show. Absolutely. I had actually I had it during a show. I'd have it out and I'd, I'd try to draw some attention to it. I used to, I would hire, um, I would hire people to, to go around with the email list too and get that down. I think that was really important. I used to do mass mails to everybody on the list. Uh, and that's still one of the best ways to get people's attention. Sure. Especially if they subscribe for it. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it really, it absolutely is. Sure. It's, it's yeah, advertising right to the person. I mean, and, and they want it, they signed up, you know, so. And people are drawn to you. They see that other level. I know that you said that you think the word great gets tossed around too much nowadays, but I 100% believe that you're great. I believe that if there's a 1% or a 0.1%, I believe you're in that, whatever that is. And was there a point for you where you ever thought about like, screw this, like I'm done with music, like what is it giving me? You know, maybe I'm struggling financially or I'm struggling creatively. Uh, did you ever come to a crossroads or anything like that? No, the music itself never bothered me at all. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's the BS around the music. It's, it's other people that are out for out, out just to, I guess, leech off of you, not musicians. I'm talking, it's all the outside noise, um, that it, I wouldn't call it ever discouraging. It's just that you just, you look at it. And unfortunately in our society, some of it is a necessary evil, if you want to call it or not even evil. Um, but it turns into a business. Uh, but it's not necessarily discouraging. I would just say that, uh, I never, I never even thought about quitting music. I, I, it, it, that would be strange to me because I'm just, it's, it's been everything I am and it's not an on purpose thing. It's just, it just is, I need it. Do you have a child who is applying to college and you want to help, but you're not sure how? Ivy and Quill is your answer. They're the gold standard in college admission essay consulting and editing services with an exceptional turnaround rate of 48 hours or less from when the essay is received. Visit ivyandquill.com and tell them the Writer's Way podcast sent you. So you've played a lot of places. You've played bars. You've played clubs. Now you've been playing weddings. You're the house band at the Red Lion for a long time. You've done a lot uh, in your day as a musician. You've seen a lot in your day, and you continue to love it. And something that I've seen working in the wedding band industry is that sometimes some of the musicians who are performing weddings, it seems like it's almost beneath them or that they don't want to fully commit to it. And what I love about you is it doesn't matter where you're playing, whether you're playing the halftime show at the Super Bowl or if you're playing Cipriani 42nd Street or a kid's first birthday party because they're a friend of your daughter, you're going to show up and you're going to perform the exact same right. way and they're going to get you 100%. And I think that's something that's made you really, really successful in the wedding band industry is you give a shit. Is that something that you've just always been that way that if you're doing it, you're giving it your all? It's hard for me to put it any better than that. Yeah. If I'm, I mean... I'm not going to repeat what you said, but I am, I guess. Yeah, if I'm doing it, I'm giving it my all. Uh, it's pride of work, but it's also, I mean, that's wherever you're playing, whatever it's for, y y you're, those people are there in that moment, right? You're there in that moment. Why would you give it any less? How does that make, again, how does that make any sense? I mean, if you're going to do it, 
you do it. You go all out. There's no other sense. It's like you get to do something that is all you. It's why would you, you're not at home by yourself, right? You're not sitting there. You're not just, you know, I, I guess throwing it, throwing in the towel or do anything. I mean, what's, what's the difference? You could be playing, like I always tell you, like the last show at Madison Square Garden or right. You could be playing a club. You could be playing someone's first birthday party, whatever it might be. I mean, if it's a wedding, these are all important for the people that are there, no matter what, no matter what it is, it makes people ha- makes me actually Selfishly, it makes me happy, you know. But I think that's the key is that it comes through and it comes across that you're actually happy to be there. If it's somebody's Extremely. wedding or anniversary or whatever. Of course. They're I'm lot. humbled. I'm honored to be there. I mean, come on. They wanted me to do their wedding or, or anniversary or whatever it might be. It's like, um, how many times are you going to do that? Right? That's but cool. I th- but I think there are some people that see it as, oh, no, it's another wedding. And you never Can't see do that. it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. No, I never see it that way, as you said, because, uh, I mean, why would you say that about any gig, right? Why would you say that at any point? Do you think, um, okay, do you think, let's say Mick Jagger goes there and he goes, oh no, I'm going to go sing Satisfaction again in Giant Stadium. Like, oh no, Giant Stadium. What's the difference if it's Giant Stadium or somebody in a local club goes, I'm going to go play that club again? What? Where do you think that came from? Where do you think you learned that? I... (laughs) You can't always get what you want. <laughs> uh, things in life shouldn't like going to do when you, when, when, uh, when you find something and you got to set out to go get it. Like if you got to, if you got to go play, a, play a gig, right. You know what it takes to get there. And, and it's not easy. There's a hunger that it's, it's insatiable and you have to, you have to feed that hunger. And that hunger is being on that stage, right. No matter what stage it might be. Right. There's there's a fight. There are many people out there who are fighting to get to any level to play out or are sitting there playing, practicing, and they just don't either. They don't have it. They don't think they have it. And you're there and you're not about to step off and let anybody else step there. Right. That's that's you. You made it to that point. And 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 when you do it, there's there's about somebody else is seeing you like like you could be playing an event for let's say a bride and groom there's other people there that have never seen you before there are people there that have seen you before right there's expectations there's no expectations whatever it is you want to make people experience this most epic thing something maybe they've never felt before but you go there knowing that you have to do that. Like you, you have to get people to a place and it's not easy to get to that stage. Once you're on that stage, again, I'm repeating it, but don't ever leave it. Fight for it. And you know, you know how you fight for it? You're the man. You're the woman. You're the best that you could possibly be in that moment. People won't forget. Then you won that stage. You won over that crowd. You won over yourself. Because otherwise, you're going to go home with regrets if you don't lay everything else out there. Once that happens, I guarantee you'll keep going. You'll get to the next stage that you want to be on. And when I mean stage, I mean literally a platform where you could perform for people. I love that. And I love seeing the way that you've built a career for yourself. You've built a following that... The Marcus Reed Band is a name that people know, that people talk about. And I know something that drives you as well now is your family, your wife, Amanda, your daughter, Ava. You have another kid on the way. And I think above everything else, you're a husband first. You're a father. 
you're a musician, you care about your craft, but your family is what keeps you going as well. Uh, and I love hearing when you're on the stage, you are focused, you're 100% there, but what gets you to that stage, I think sometimes even now, is knowing that it's more than you at this point as well. It's mm-hmm. not you playing a bar in your 20s. You have a family. Yeah. You have people right. that need you and you need to provide for. And can you talk a little bit about just kind of growing up and the maturing that you've done from maybe college age Marcus or starting out in a cover band to Dada or Daddy? <laughs> well, I think the easiest way to put it, the, or it's the best way to put it is, you know, it was selfish love now it's selfless love it's um uh-huh. it's it, it's a it's a completely it's a, it's a different animal it really is um you to be a parent is you, you have to you have to be a parent to really understand that um but i mean the difference besides just that factor you, you go through different stages you know in your life you have to discover yourself you have to learn you can't you know, I can't be the performer I am without going through the things that I went through in my life. I couldn't be that performer as a 13-year-old kid on stage in front of 18 to 20-year-olds without experience whatever I experienced before that in my life. The same thing. However, I got in college, I wouldn't be able to write those songs that might have meant something or deep to those, you know, to who was auditioning me at the time to understand that. To get to where I am to performing, I had to go through whatever I went through in my 20s without getting into specifics, um, you know, up until, you know, the fact of having a family. And it also taught me, I was also able to have a family, but really enjoy enjoy the successes that I've had and relish and think about the things that I've accomplished because of everything that I went through to get here. I think that's beautifully said. And thank you. I'm very excited too because we have a we have a show that we've been working on a musical that will hopefully be taking off in the somewhat near future and we're definitely going to do an interview with Jesse Wagner as well the three of us uh for that so we will be back we will make sure that we get a lot more Marcus which I'm sure the people will love <laughs> no more uh, Marcus no <laughs> but before we end we always yeah. like to play a little game oh a game Like the intro music and want to hear more? Go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to music and search Marcus Bennett. So it's game time. Nice. You're a man of many names, Marcus. You go by Marcus Gershman, Marcus Bennett, Marcus Reed, Mark Gershman, MGMT, and of course your two favorite, Hubby and Daddy. So I figured I'd see how good are you with guessing the real names of famous musicians and actors. Let's see Mm. if you can figure out what the real name is. So I'll give you the stage name and you tell me what their birth or given name was, okay? Bring it on. First up, the guitarist for Guns N' Roses slash. Saul Hudson. That's amazing. Okay, that's. I was going to be B. I was going to do multiple choice, but I don't even think you need Don't it. need multiple choice. You don't need multiple choice. Okay. And if you want multiple choice, I'll give it. Because okay. that was impressive. Okay. 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 Next up, country music star, Faith Hill. Do you need multiple choice? <laughs> yes, I need multiple choice. Okay. A, Audrey Faith Perry. B, Annie Faith. C, Faith Hillstone. D, Faye Dunaway. 
I'm going to go with Faye Dunaway. <laughs> I really don't know. I was like, you're really not guessing that, are you? No. Uh, uh, I, um, uh, what was the first one again? Audrey Faith Perry. No. Next one. That was it. Okay. <laughs> I don't know this one. <laughs> so I don't know. She used her middle name, Faith, and then her last name is from her first marriage. And she kept that, kept that name. Got it. Okay. okay. Bruno Mars is the real name. I'm not going to know this one either, I think. A, Barry Whites. B, <laughs> Bruce Kennedy. C, Peter Jean Hernandez. D, Charles Bruno. I'm going to go with Peter Jean Hernandez. Correct. C, you got it. Nice okay. work. Katy Perry is the real name. A. Katy Perry. Katy, Katy Perry. A, Kathy White. B, Catherine Blue. C, Vicky Perry. D, Catherine Hudson. Do, 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 do. Catherine Hudson. Nice. You're pretty good at this so far. Okay, keep going. And she did it because it was like she was up and coming and Kate Hudson, of course, so she didn't want any confusion. I didn't know that, but it sounded a little familiar to me, so I believe I have heard that before. This one I don't think you'll need multiple choice for, but Jay-Z. Oh, this is bad. This is bad okay. if I don't know. So right? A, Sean Carter. B, Sean Stewart. Sean Carter. Yeah, okay. I just, you know what? That slipped really fast. I'm like, oh, come on, man. Like Jay-Z, you grew up with that. And are you All enjoying right. this? You want some more? Uh, yeah. Give okay. me more. Give bonus me more. Bonus round. This is the bonus round. Bonus. So you did really well. You only got one wrong okay. in that round, in the first round. Cool. Faith Hill stumped you. Faith Hill stumped me, man. Faith Hill stumped you. So Alicia Keys. Is it A, Alicia Middleton, B, Alicia Wilde, C, Alicia Augello Cook, or D, Amy Keys? What was the first one? Alicia Middleton, A. And the third one? Alicia Augello, Augello Cook. I'm not sure if I pronounced that correctly. That's too long to make up, so I'm going to go with yeah, that, that one. Yeah, that was the one. I'm going with that one. I'm sorry if I butchered that. <laughs> uh, and apparently she wanted to go by Alicia Wilde, but her mom said it sounded too much like a stripper name. So that's how keys, like piano keys. Okay. 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 Jamie Foxx. Did you know that his real name was not Jamie Foxx? Because I did not. Uh, okay, so A, Jamie Finkelstein. <laughs> it's not Jamie Finkelstein. B, Jamie Fisher. C, Kevin Clark. D, Eric Bishop. I'm going to go with Eric Bishop. Yeah, correct. You're very good at this. And the reason why he picked it was because he said it was a unisex name. And when he was in the comedy scene in the 80s, that there are a lot more women who are getting stage time. So he thought by going with Jamie that he'd be able to like mix it up a little bit. And he said it worked. Obviously it worked. Nice. Ringo Starr. A, Ringo Scavelli. B, Richard Starkey. <laughs> C, Richard Collingsworth. D, Ralph Kane. I actually don't know this. I'm just going to say this. I actually don't know. Well, guess one. Do you want to hear him again? Oh, my God. Um, yeah, one more time. One okay. More time. A, Ringo Scavelli. B, Richard Starkey. C, Richard Collingsworth. D, Ralph Kane. Uh, is it Starkey or Ralph Kane? Collinsworth. That sounds like it could be, but I'm going to go with, um, I think it's, hold on, this is not my answer. I think it's choice D, but I'm going to go with B. Correct. B is correct. Starkey. Nice. You're doing well. Trust in your gut. Did I tell you I took an IQ test the other day? Did I tell you what my score was? Off it the charts? Been this. One, so it was, one, uh, 160s? No, no. It was, 
140 or 150. That's it was one, one very or two. high, though. I, was, I did it. That's very high. I did it. I did it. No, but I'm saying this should have been, oh, been, been the IQ been, test. Well, you're off higher. the charts right now. You're doing great. <laughs> uh, only one wrong so far, correct? I had it. Yeah. Wait, I'm so smart. I had to remember my IQ test. Okay, Queen. <laughs> Don't even include that. <laughs> Queen, Queen Latifah. A, oh, boy. Queen Lawrence. B, Queen Smith. C, Dana Owens. Or D, Betty Buckley. One more time. Queen Latifah. A, Queen Lawrence. B, Queen Smith. C, Dana Owens. D, Betty Buckley. Dana Owens. I got that wrong. That's correct. 100% correct. And then the final one we'll do, 10, is Vin Diesel. Is it A, Vincent Jones, B, Mark Sinclair, C, Vinnie Bianco, or D, Derek Van Zant? Derek Van Zant. Wrong. No. Oh, no. It's B, Mark Sinclair. No. Um, okay, because I knew it wasn't Vin anything. That's what I thought. Oh, oh that man. was good. Um, I figured I'd throw that in there. Wait, I feel like this is like never ending, whatever no, this it's is. Done. I should have been over. done and got Game's like over. one wrong. Now yeah. I got, you made me get you two wrong. wrong. But that's good because you got one wrong out of five and you got one wrong out of the other was five. It, was I the best you've ever done with this? Uh, I better be. Pretty good. You're pretty good. You're pretty up there. Good. I told you uh, I have to be the best. Oh. And I have to, thanks to stacker.com. Uh, for a lot of these names stacker.com stacker.com uh, i use that but marcus seriously this has been an absolute pleasure uh to be able to see what you've done and what you've accomplished and continue to accomplish uh it just makes me so proud and i appreciate you always making time for me and just being a great mentor and really looking out for me so thank you no words can say this is mr justin demarco himself i call him jay dizzle i don't know where i got that from but um affectionately saying i mean this is the man, this is my boy, and I am happy to always be here for you, brother. Well, thank you, and right back at you. I love you, dude. Love you too, man. All right, we got to hug it out now for the camera. <laughs> A big thank you to one of my favorite people on the planet, Marcus Bennett, a.k.a. Marcus Reed. You can buy his music on iTunes, listen on Spotify, or give him a follow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Marcus Bennett. You can follow his band on Instagram at Marcus Reed Band. His website is marcusbennettonline.com, and you'll definitely be hearing more from Marcus soon when we talk about our musical, The Accomplished Nothings, with the other music and lyricist, Jesse Wagner. Jesse will be coming on the Writer's Way podcast herself to talk about her new music, so definitely stay tuned for that episode. For now, that'll do it. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Writer's Way podcast. I'm Justin DeMarco, and until next time, Keep writing, keep reading, and keep following those dreams.